What's up, Video Landers? I'm your host, Mr. Senior Love Daddy Mac, and with me tonight is Dr. Diamond Doug. That's the quintessential truth, Ruth. Quick reminder, you can find us on AdventuresInVideoLand.com or on our Facebook at AdventuresInVideoLand. We are Critics with Attitude. In many of the AV podcasts, you'll hear some bad language. Uh -huh. That's not really our style, so we'll just try to keep this PG-13. Yeah, mild language and artistic nudity. And maybe just one F-bomb? Yeah, yeah, maybe. We'll, we'll see. Know. We'll see. Also, spoiler alert, if you don't want tonight's movie ruined, pause this episode, watch the movie, and come back later. With that said, tonight we'll be talking about Season 6 Pantheon nomination number 4... Do the Right Thing. Nominated by Brandon Folk. Guest voter, Jesse Reyes. Reyes. Before we get to any of that, let's what? chat about Pantheon. Dr. Diamond Doug, mm -hmm. what is Pantheon in your own words? Pantheon refers to our special shelf of movies. Mm. It's, the, it's movies that hit on all the cylinders, acting, directing, script score, cinematography, special effects, and as we've added the X Factor e to this. X Factor. Essential viewing, best of its genre, best of its kind. And it is the product, Pantheon is our special movie collection that is a product of a council vote, including a couple other votes. There's 11 votes total. Mm -hmm. AV has council with nine members. Every three weeks, a council member nominates a movie. Everyone else votes yes or no. They put their reasons together on they the write Facebook page. They write up. 500-word essay. There's a guest voter, and there's a Facebook poll, which counts as one vote all, to all together but for the, 11 votes. Is the Facebook poll restricted? Only some people can vote? Anybody or? on the Facebook page can go ahead and vote on that. Anybody can vote. And Pantheon movies need to pass the test of having two-thirds majority of all of that, that's so that's seven. seven votes to get in. Seven yeses, and they're in Pantheon forever. For example, we've had three movies so far. Right, Taxi Driver. Drive and Iron Giant. Yes. Taxi Driver, a very well-renowned movie. Great movie. It was a movie that didn't quite make it in. Five out of 11. Many of the reviewers said it was very close, but just not quite there. Yeah. Drive, on the other hand, did make it in with 8 of 11. Oh, so dreamy. And Iron Giant did not with 4 of 11. 4 of 11. Those are the three nominations so far this season. This is nomination number 4, as I said. So, a little foreplay before we get started here. Sure. I've got some. I got a lot of options I could talk yeah, about for foreplay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you gave me some. I've got a few in my mind, in my own mind. But but uh, let's just let's just do this. Uh, this movie deals a lot with race relations, with okay. uh, people's outrage over over the differences and some of the divides in our yeah. culture. Um, what was your experience this past year when there were lots of uh, uh, marches and 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 people gathering? What was your experience uh, during 2020 uh, with any of those events? So I felt. You know, uh, so right around March, all of us get quarantined, we're stuck in our houses, things get, um, like, life is weird just because we're now we're in a pandemic and, you know, no, none of us have really done that uh, mm -hmm. uh, on this side of the pond, as it were, for the last 100 years. Right. Um, so that alone was enough to mess with people's worlds. But on top of it then, then you have incidents that lead to outrage over police violence, marches, riots. Uh, it just, um, I Unfair watched, treatment of one yeah, race yeah. versus so another race. Racial, racial tensions. I, I watched this as just kind of a dumbfounded observer on the outside. Mm -hmm. um, that, um, yeah, it was just, it, it filled me with, with sadness, confusion, and also knowing that this story has been told time and again and it doesn't there doesn't seem to be a way out for us and it's that it's frustrating yeah it is frustrating isn't it and you know the, the pandemic you can see the pandemic yeah. and other events as the triggers for what you know for the for for the outrage and the events of the past year and actually in this movie bringing that back to do the right thing uh the heat wave and then the uh, the, uh, the 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 
the racial differences and the arguments that just boiled over in yeah. the movie to become, you know, like the the the, the big scene where all the, the the things happen. We'll talk about here in a little bit. In, in a way, uh, well, in in more than one way, they just paralleled, you know. And yeah. and in watching that last summer, uh, watching that in some of the other movies that I saw in 2020, uh, everything from uh, the hate you give to uh, to do the right thing and others. I'm just watching this same story playing again and again and again. And this movie's over 30 years old. Yeah. And yet, same story. Yeah. In any case, uh, your experience was very much like my experience as well. And uh, it, it it inspired me to think more about my attitudes, the, the unintentional attitudes and the things that I mm -hmm. do without thinking about it. Uh, but also, uh, in watching the movie again over the past week, a couple of times, once again, I was back in that same place. All right. Yep. So let's talk about that. Thi <laughs> let's talk that about thing the right. <laughs> that thing you do is a completely different movie. I am so sorry. It just it's popped in my head. Someone else confused the two and said that yeah. thing you do the other day, and now it's stuck in my head. That anyway, thing you do the right thing. Do the right thing. Uh, let's talk about Do the Right Thing. Do the Right Thing is an R-rated movie. Uh, came out in 1989, in the summer of 1989. In fact, uh, it is a drama slash comedy drama. It's a slice of life. It, it is a it is a, a a slice of life that you fold before consuming. Yeah. Uh, directed by Spike Lee, screenplay play by Spike Lee, produced by Spike. It's a Spike Lee joint. And I love the fact that he the calls music's it that, not by, by Spike Lee. No, the music is by Bill Lee. Oh, look at that. <laughs> I don't actually know. I'm ignorant on this. No. Is Bill Lee and Spike Lee... Yeah, they're related. They're related. Uh, fair enough. Uh, cinematography by Ernest Dickinson, uh, Dickerson, excuse me, who's a frequent Spike Lee collaborator. Uh, edited by Barry Alexander Brown, also frequent works with him. Actually got an Oscar for Black Klansman, which is, which is another Spike Lee movie. Uh, uh, as I said, it was in theaters in the summer of 89. Runs 120 minutes didn't feel like two hours to me, but yep. that's what it is. Studio 40 Acres and a Mule Filmworks, which is Spike Lee's uh, a studio and distributed by Universal Pictures. One of the first few uh, commercially distributed Spike Lee movies. There was, a, there was at least one prior to this. It's starring Danny uh, Aiello. Aiello. I always say his name wrong. I always want to say Aiello. Uh, Ossie Davis, Ruby D. Who are married. Who are married, for that's, real. Uh, that's... DeMayer, DeMayer and, and Mother Sister. Mother Sister. Yep. Uh, Richard Edson, Giancario Esposito, Rosie Perez, Martin Lawrence. Let uh, me stop you on that and say that the for both of them, that yes. this was their debut performance. And Martin Lawrence, I, w I, I, I for some reason did not remember he was in the movie. And when I rewatched it, he popped out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Martin yeah. Lawrence. Spike Lee, of course. Bill Nunn, John Turturro, uh, John Savage. Uh, who plays the white cyclist. Yep. All right. little quick synopsis from Google. Salvatore Sal Fragioni, which is Danny Aiello, is the Italian owner of a pizzeria in Brooklyn, uh, a neighborhood local bugging out. Giancarlo Esposito becomes upset when he sees that the pizzeria's wall of fame exhibits only Italian actors, specifically white actors. Uh, bugging out believes a pizzeria in a black neighborhood should showcase black actors. Uh, and Sal disagrees. The wall becomes a symbol of racism and hate to bugging out and the other people in the neighborhood. And tensions rise. To All say right. the least. To say the least. Yeah. Uh, a number of things. More, the, wall, the, the pictures on the wall certainly was one of the bigger catalysts, but then it was just layers and layers of yep. events that kept rolling that steamroller forward, unfortunately. All right. Ratings. Uh, IMDb rated this an 8 of 10. Uh, Metacritic rated at 93, a must-see with 25 positive and one mixed. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 93% with an 89% audience score. When I see movies that have two high ratings up in the upper 80s or 90s, that generally uh, tells me this is a movie that I'm going to want to watch, yeah. whether I like it or not. Uh, I don't mean I'll watch it whether I like watching it. Is it is a but cultural touchstone it's for a sure. It's a touchstone, certainly. And Google, 86%. Uh, liked it. 86% liked it. So let's talk about a few reviews sure, here. Sure, I'll give you a positive, a yeah. fresh, and a rotten from Rotten Tomatoes. All right. Uh, Campbell Campbell from Little White Lies rates it as fresh. Lee's oft-maligned scattershot style of storytelling works to perfection here, creating irreplaceable parts of a neighborhood collage that feels truly alive with all the messiness that entails. 
On the flip side, you got Jeffrey Noel Smith. Sight and Sound rates it as rotten for all its apparent roughness. Do the Right Thing is aesthetically very sophisticated, particularly in the first half, but at the end it collapses both aesthetically and politically. Now, uh, Jeffrey Noel Smith is not alone in being uncomfortable with the way the movie ends. I don't know why he's uncomfortable with it other than what he said here. But I know the first time I saw this movie, which was many years ago, I was very uncomfortable in the second part where all of the the violence and the aggression and, and the, 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 the issues boiled over. And in, in retrospect, I don't like any movies that end up that way. Like yeah. movies that end up just arguing and fighting for whatever reason. They make me uncomfortable, period. I think the like the the one of the interesting takeaways from this is that note about aesthetically collapsing at the end where some people have made the criticism that the movie is very tightly shot and collected together mm-hmm. uh, and then it loses that tightness it becomes chaotic ca- like the chaos is no longer controlled yeah and and not control and uncontrolled but not in a disciplined uncontrolled way right but we lost track of the narrative. Almost like an unintentional... I'm not saying that I believe that, but no, I'm no, just no. saying that that is a criticism. Yeah, yeah. It ha- I have read that criticism as well. Uh, Metacritic reviews, uh, James uh, Berardinelli from Real Views gave it a 100. One of Lee's great successes with this film is that he's able to present every character, regardless of race, gender, or age, with three-dimensionality and a degree of sympathy. No one is demonized or lionized. No one, no one individual is blamed or exonerated for the events which transpire. Each individual with significant screen time is shown to have good and bad qualities, and we come to understand what motivates them, even if we do not agree with them. Uh, As a little nuance on the, and I know almost nobody will care, uh-huh. uh, when you said James Bar- Berardinelli gave it 100, technically with the... Metacritic, Metacritic is rating his review as a hundred. Yes, sorry. Rather than That's him right. giving it a hundred, his review it's is rated as a hundred. Most, I think, probably nobody will care. But just the, yeah. just to, he's to keep just that, giving a yeah. review, and then it's being rated. Yes. That said, when you look through the Metacritic reviews of the top reviewers of like professional reviewers, the list of one hundreds that Metacritic rates these reviews as mm-hmm. is just quite impressive. I like it's, uh, it's not usually as leaning so heavy mm-hmm. skewed right. on full 100s so yeah but this particular this particular uh, movie that they were yeah uh on, this was the bottom one there you go richard corliss from time uh where they rated as a 60 to accept the film though one must first understand its point of view and that is madden maddeningly maddeningly difficult <laughs> uh all we know for certain is that do the right thing is not naturalistic what so is he, what do you think he meant by that really I think that he was saying that it was hard to follow what the point of the movie was and that it was uh, it portrayed itself as a slice of life movie but it, uh, it it came off as canned as opposed to real yeah and you know when I, I, when I read that phrase I that naturalistic phrase what I thought was what, what I reflected on was uh, a, a comment and and a uh, a, a um, I wouldn't say a critique, but a, a point of view that many of the characters were, uh, th- their personalities and their traits were were expanded, like hyper... Uh, uh, yeah, exaggerated. Yeah, exaggerated, Hyperbolized. I guess. Yeah, so that, so that uh, they weren't full-on stereotypes, but, but that, that it was like they wouldn't act this way all the time, but certainly this helps to understand their yeah. personalities. They were a little better. more one-dimensional. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. All right, so um, Metacritic Hoi Polloi. Hoi Polloi. So uh, Kelly J gave it a 10. This movie's fantastic. Look at what race relations are like in areas where there's diversity and heavy interaction. It's real and it's right on the mark. And we have a, we have an interesting moment in history here with the Metacritic <sighs> Hoi Polloi reviews. Um, we always look for a review from one specific reviewer. We, we yeah. not that we always agree. We don't always agree no, no, necessarily, no. but but we tend to look for one, and, and 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 it is none other than the inimitable Spangle. Spangle, what did Spangle say? Uh, uh, Spangle gave an unexpected and unprecedented hot take okay. on this movie, and he gave it a two. He or she, we actually don't know. We but either don't way, know two. 
But Spangle says, horrible movie. Sure, it raises a good point but how about how race relations turns into tragedy. But at the end, it just makes you hate everyone in the movie and I wish for it to end. Ultimately, the only tragedy is how bad the movie wound up being. In, in addition, even before the tragic ending, it was beyond boring. And I almost shut it off but wanted to see how it would end. Boy, Boy was, was I, I disappointed. disappointed. Yeah, wow. Spangle. Spangle. Yikes. That was rough. That was harsh, Spangle. Now, Spangle has, uh, in the past, indicated a certain amount of um, properness Mm -hmm. with approach to things. And this movie did have a lot of F-bombs. Well, it did. It did have uncomfortable uncomfortable characters. And uncomfortable situations. Uh, It didn't resolve. I I, I can't read into this, but I'm... I'm, This is a little moment with Spangle right here. So, yeah. Again, I know nobody else in the whole world except for you and I, and maybe uh, an avid listener cares about what like Spangles Kyle. said. Yeah, Kyle. Like Kyle. Kyle, Kyle will. Like my man. Kyle. We should go to the uh, Facebook comments. All right, so Facebook comments. Uh, so, uh, Vincent Suarez, for y'all who haven't seen it, do the right thing and fix that. Clever, Vincent. Clever. Mm-hmm. Brock Davis, one of my favorite films. Kevin Molina. Absolutely, Spike is the man. Well, he says that man, but the man, right? Now, uh, Joshua McLaughlin mm. uh, is is edging in to. I saw. I see. I see what's happening here, and I'm watching his progression over this season. Right. He's trying to get his name in the hat to be the Ooh. Facebook guest nominator. Okay. Uh, later on, because I see him working really hard. And this is I just, appreciate his this work. This is a snippet of his uh, of his uh, uh, review. This I time. love that term, snippet. And he says, and he says, and this is kind of uh, collect uh, connecting the end. Mm-hmm. Overall, it cannot be overstated. This is Spike Lee's masterpiece of a picture, putting him on the map in a huge way. The resonance and timeliness of this feature still rings true in our America during these times. While Driving Miss Daisy may be recognized as the Best Picture Oscar winner of 1989, this is the film that will maintain a place in film fans' memories for years to come. And you know, that's actually true whether the fans enjoy the movie or don't enjoy the movie. They're not going to forget the experience of watching the movie. Let's talk about how Do the Right Thing did. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. Receipt time. Receipts. So, Do the Right Thing, uh, 1989. Uh, Spike Lee, of course. Production budget was $6.5 million, Actually, pretty pretty small for the time. Uh, domestic gross, $27.5 million. Worldwide, $37.3. The average ticket price, 1989, according to Box Office Mojo, is $3.97. So, we do a little math here, and you divide... The, number, the amount domestic gross by average ticket price, U.S. ticket price in the year, and we get what we call the Butts and Seats Index. Trademark. Trademark. Copyright. copyright patented, patented. Reserved. Reserved. So you do a little math and you get 6.9 million butts in the seats for yeah. Do the Right Thing. Which, if we compare that to what we have come to know as the, the Fight, Fight Club, Club standard, standard 7.4 million butts in seats. seats. This is just shy of a standard me- measure of a Fight Club butts and seat index. And so. again, that's not to say that Fight Club is a fantastic movie and everything else compared to them, but it's just a nice reference point, like a touchstone to say, yeah, yeah well, com- looking at this one, what did it do? What did it do? Yeah. Uh, in any case, so some, some direct comparisons. Uh, another Spike Lee film, 2006 Inside Man, uh, 129 minutes, not much longer. Production budget, 45 million. Much bigger budget. Domestic gross, 88.5 million. Worldwide, $186 million. But just based on domestic gross and a 2006 average ticket price of $6.55, Inside Man had a butts and seats index of $13.5 million. Some would say Spike Lee was more successful, but Denzel Washington and the other uh, other cast of Inside Man, and being 2006, he's an established director. uh, You know, there's a lot of things going into why there'd be more people watching that movie. Uh, 1973, uh, Mean Streets. Uh, I picked this, actually, I want to compare by this because this is uh, also dealing with a gritty uh, inner city race relations and a bunch of other issues, but it's a Martin Scorsese film. Uh, Production budget was a half million. Domestic gross, 32,000. 
$645. I'm not sure they made any money. Actually, I think math says they lost a boatload of money on that yeah. one. But average ticket price of $1.77 uh, means butts and seats was $18.4,000. K. 18.4K. Yeah. When we see a K, not, it's not, rough. not a million. Yeah. Not, 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 like, an M, not like do the right thing. 6.9 million, but 18.4 Compared to the movie that we just Taxi talked about. Taxi Driver, yeah. which came out three years later with a BSI of 13.2 million. I, I think Taxi Driver did much better, yeah, whether that's marketing yeah, yeah. or whatever that is. Distribu I'm assuming distribution was different, of course. But in any case, Mean Streets uh, did not perform nearly as well. Black Klansman's a 2018 movie uh, I thoroughly enjoyed. 135 minutes, also Spike Lee. Of course, production budget was $15 million. Domestic gross was $49.3 million. Uh, more than, almost double that, with a worldwide gross of 93.4. Uh, BSI with a, a ticket price of $9.11 that year of $5.41 million. So while it generated all this extra income... And won awards. And won awards, it actually had a smaller yeah. uh, number of people who actually went to see it in the theaters. Yeah. Um, another movie, and I mentioned this earlier, uh, but uh, The Hate You Give, which came out in 2018, that's George Tillman Jr.'s uh, two-hour and 13-minute movie, uh, production budget of $23 million, and that one is uh, Race Relations in L.A., uh, a movie about Los Angeles, I believe. Domestic gross twenty nine point seven million worldwide, thirty four point nine. Uh, also uh, nine dollars and eleven nine dollars eleven cents because twenty eighteen movie. Uh, BSI of three point two six million. So in fact, Do the Right Thing had more people in the theaters watching it than um, uh, three of the four comparisons I have here. But they're all in a in a in a general uh, kind of spectrum. Yeah. Uh, of movies it'll be interesting in the future as we go on after say uh introduction of streaming services mm -hmm. and after covid and all that right of how the butts and seat concept works because right. people are less or maybe may end up seeing movies less in the theater so that metric might not mean as much as right. going on in the future so in 2020 uh many streaming services would introduce movies where you could not just Stream it for free initially. Not all movies, but many yeah, like movies. Mulan. Yeah, so yeah. you had to pay an extra yeah. 20, 30 bucks to watch it. I'm wondering if they're going to include that when they report worldwide gross because that, but but then the butts and seats index becomes irrelevant because yeah. they somebody paid 30 bucks to watch it, but eight people may have watched it or one. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. All right. So before the deep dig. Oh, I was going to dive right in. Yeah, before we do that. Okay. There is an envelope. Oh, there uh, is. It's a big yellow well, envelope right that, there. There's there's stuff that we have, and we we've come to this is, uh, I do well. We've got on the I table was say, here we've on got, the table. We've got we have these six wonderful white uh, uh, cans here. Oh, where's uh, the Miller, Miller High Life? Yeah, where's the Miller? Brandon, this is like this tastes where's like the, uh, the, warm the, pot warm water. Hot water. <laughs> here we go. I'm gonna Brand, so, Brandon. Brandon, thank you. Oh, oh yeah. yeah! Here we go. Some Clink, tall oh, boys, tank. right there. Little tall boys. Miller Light we have, which uh, is actually Miller is highlighted very heavily in the movie. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I think Brad wrote on the on the uh, this thing. From oh yeah, Sweet Dick Willie. Sweet that's, Dick Willie. That's, that's his that? his brand of humor. We got uh, doctors right there. Doctors. Uh, oh, oh there's that. some Parmesan. Look at that. We've got what is it? A little letter. Okay. Right here. Uh, if I read this From to you, Brandon. it says, Doug and Gary, mm -hmm. I'm asking a lot, doctors, uh, and I'm asking a lot for you to consider do the right thing for Pantheon. Here are some essentials to get you through a hot day. They ran out of Miller High Life, oh. but regardless, it's Miller time. In brotherly love, Brandon. Okay, and well, there's something else in there. Some bubble He gives wrap? us some Parmesan cheese well, that's that we important. can add. Yeah. And then in the bubble you wrap. You don't get the Parmesan. I take that yeah, away from you. In the bubble wrap, Ooh. we have. Oh. We have some. We got some, little, some knuckle finger rings, some knuckle bling. Well, see, this one says That's, hate, and this one says love. Yeah. Or, uh, this one says love, and this one says hate. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, very, very similar fun. to uh, a character from the film Radio Rahim. Radio Rahim. Here. He wore gold ones. You have more right delicate fingers than I do. Oh, if you, you want know, to try those on, fit. 
Uh, down that's here. that's for your. Uh, yeah. Oh uh, well. Yeah. Okay. It, it goes uh, the other one. Oh, the other that's way. the left-handed one, right? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I always get. I'm thinking about the screen. Yeah. All right. Love, hate. Now, and and oh, so thank you very much. Thank Brandon. you, Brandon. These I, are really cool. I have joked to to, to uh, my friend here that I not joke, but I did say that the the ring blings. Uh, from the movie always looked like cove hate to me because it had a top bar of gold yeah there's a uh, top bar and, it, and the font looked there a is, little off yeah there is but they're very significant and the meaning of them in the movie mm-hmm. becomes very important as well mm-hmm. uh, but we do not hate them nope we love them. we love them the love punched down the hate punched it whack yeah which is what that you know from that from the speech right there. So thank right. you very much, Brandon. Thank you, Brandon. That was awesome. That was and nice. I'm gonna enjoy this uh, warm pot uh, warm pot water. <laughs> <laughs> All uh, right. So Brandon's nomination. He says, "My first Pantheon nomination. Do the right thing. This film tells the story of one of the hottest days of the summer in Bedstoy Block. Not much happens. Bedsty. Bedsty. Oh gosh, yes. Sorry. My bad." <laughs> By not being from Bedstuy. No, no, yeah. Uh, not much happens, but so much happens at the same time. It's very dialogue driven, which is what gets the movie even more points in my book. Lee's a fantastic writer, and these skills shine. Each and every conversation matters. Told almost in little vignettes, the side plots all come together at the end to lead to a tragedy that leaves the neighborhood in shambles. This is Spike Lee's best movie, hands down. Do the right thing is Pantheon because it is essential viewing. Everything in it is, everything is in its prime: editing, acting, writing, direction, music, and set design. It remains relevant to this day and still encourages conversations to be had, no matter how difficult they may be. There hasn't been another movie like it, and I don't think there ever will be. Thanks for reading, Video Landers. You've got the chance to do the right thing every day, and that's the quintessential truth, Ruth. Nice. All right, Brandon. There's more. This is uh, yeah. a sum, a kind of a, a summary of it. Uh, uh, an excerpt. An excerpt from it. All right. So some uniqueness and challenges. So we've talked about some challenges, and we can talk about some more. But uh, Diamond Doug, how is this film unique? So I think one of the uniquenesses of this film is that it brings the uh, black voice front and center as the guiding voice to discuss racial issues and i think that that's a that's a an important feature of the film Mm -hmm. that makes it something that's special is that um it is not all race in all of america but they use this 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 kind of boiling cauldron of Bed-Stuy in that hot mo- hottest moment of the year mm-hmm. with these in New York with a collection of all these, but it is Spike Lee telling his story uh, and uh, so addressing racial disparity and tension and all of these things uh, from his perspective. And I think that, that that's a unique, a good uniqueness to the film that brings something special. You know, and it's something I think was also mm-hmm. unique in the film was that, especially in the early parts of the film, uh, everybody seems to be getting along just fine. Like they understand each other and they can um, they can interact uh, with a certain level of respect. There's at least All an directions. equilibrium. There's right? an equilibrium. That's a good word. And it wasn't until conflict started that more of the true face of each of the characters started to come front and center. Whether that's well, the Italians running the pizzeria. Yeah. The heat gets ratcheted up. And even in the scene where they're messing with the fire hydrant. Mm-hmm. And you got the Italian guy with his cat with his convertible. Mm-hmm. And then the cops show up. Like everybody in that scene was doing something that wasn't quite right. Right. Uh, but it all was ratcheting. Every piece of it was always ratcheting the next thing up. Yeah, and you know uh, the the scene with the fire hydrant and his and, and Sal's car. Not Sal, the uh, random Italian dude. No, I thought that was Sal. No, it was a random oh, Italian. Oh my, my dude. bad. Yeah, yeah. In any case, uh, yeah, ra- random guy. Anyway, when they went ahead and sprayed him with the water, that's Martin Lord's character, and I um, uh, uh, can't remember the other actor. Uh, went ahead and sprayed him with the car. He got angry, 
but it didn't but he didn't get racist freak out you know what i'm saying like uh over the top he was angry because his car got wet he was angry because his car got damaged that he got wet and they and promised he definitely him. had latent racism he had what was his name i don't know joe and jim what's mm-hmm. their last name black i don't know yeah something like that but yes that's true but he wasn't like screaming the n-word in their faces yeah. you know what i'm saying Not he yet. wasn't trying to smash things yeah. break things uh, and and you know let's be honest uh, a, a classic car you got a convertible one thing you know I've owned a convertible one thing you know about a convertible the inside is going to get wet eventually yeah. it's going to happen uh, it got, it happened that day so you know it did it really ruin his car eh, was he was he overreacting probably um, you know and were they being jerks spraying him down yes they absolutely were that was that was kind of the point of the scene but. Uh, I think another uniqueness of this film is also the um, cast of the wide cast of characters uh, that the whole neighborhood was this composite of bunches and dozens of characters and all of them ended up having little vignettes that Brandon mm-hmm. used the word of telling the story through vignettes mm-hmm. and the movie, I was telling you that that the movie kind of almost reminded me of, of like, not that I was a fan of the show, but like laughing with the style of just going from one zany thing to the next of like, we're always popping off to a different place and a different scene and different people. Um, But all of them together was, were creating this, this mosaic. Yeah. This mosaic, this, they were on a, on a palette. They were creating this mosaic of of events and personalities and interactions yeah um yeah now some of those things and i think this is one of the challenges of the movie some of those things were never fully realized uh um rosie perez was um mookie's uh spike lee's character's uh girlfriend these are challenges these this is a challenge yeah and that relationship between he and her mookie and his, and his girlfriend that in my mind was never fleshed out. I mean, I understood she was upset at him for not doing the things she wanted him to do, but it seemed like he was trying to make money to support uh, her and and his kid, Uh, but she was still, you know, very, very angry at him. Like... And always, I, like I, always, always at eleven, right? Always. Yeah. And I, uh, so there were some elements, and maybe they were on the cutting room floor. I don't know. What I'll say is that I was, as I was reading about uh, the movie, that one of the criticisms, general criticisms of the movie is, and of Spike Lee in general, was his lack of care given to women characters hmm. in his films, and in this film, that there were characters that had dimensions. Uh, Amongst the males, but with the females, you had Jade, which was Mookie's sister. You had his girlfriend. You had mother sister, sister. and and all of them, except for mother sister, were kind of one note. Uh, Mother sister was this kindly, sort of reserved person until the end when she screams out. Yeah, but mother sister and and the mayor, they represent in my mind. They represented the conscious, the conscience of the neighborhood trying yeah. to rein things back yeah uh even when it got out of control uh and and but the but the mayor seemed to have far more quirks and elements in his personality than she did yeah yeah you know, she sat in the window uh maybe was a little judgy but she was trying to make sure people were doing the right things so uh, where yeah. the, the mayor went from being the city being the neighborhood drunk to being the neighborhood's uh, conscience yeah. and trying to fix it. So one of the challenges might be some of the characters being one-dimensional, mm-hmm. uh, Rosie mm-hmm. Perez being one. I would add to the list, but we can talk about that later. I would add that I, for me, John Turturro's uh, yep. Pino yep. was also more one note than other like than sale or mookie or even uh, radio raheem even radio raheem yeah uh so so and radio raheem spent most of the movie um, angry yeah yeah i would say another challenge of this film as far as a challenge as a nomination uh, from council members voting yes on it Mm -hmm. is the chaoticness of the storytelling for some people, I'm going to say that they 
they might not see that it really gelled as well mm. as other people. Like other people were willing to accept it as, yeah, we got all these vignettes and chaos and stuff that's coming together, and I, I see a cohesive whole, whole, and other people would be like, no, it was just all over the place, and I couldn't follow the through line, and it was just there. It spiraled and, out. Yeah. And, you know, I, and I read, it spiraled out. Yeah, it spiraled end. out. I, I read something from Spike Lee where he said that the uh, the studio, the, the distribution studio, had them actually shoot a different ending, and he uh, rejected it. He wanted. They wanted. They even wanted Sal and Mookie to hug. Yeah, to at hug. the end. Uh, yeah, and to, for Sal to offer to make things. But right he did so have on. a script where he wrote uh, a lighter ending where yeah. uh, Mookie was uh, and Sale were both nicer to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, but I think I think if I remember right, uh, uh, Spike Lee's uh, comment on that was they wanted this Disney Hollywood ending, and I said that's yeah. not me, and that's yeah. not life, and that's not real, and that's not what's going to happen. So leaving some of the ending just kind of hanging out there was intentional he wanted to do that like yeah you don't know how some of those things resolved so i would i'll also say one of the challenges of this nomination is also something that i was feeling as watching it and i'm feeling while i'm talking about it right now is that i don't quite feel like this is my movie to talk about because it's not this like it's not my experience, you know, like uh, full confession, right? I'm a right. white guy. What? I, I'm a, I am. I'm white. Right? The, uh, Wait. The, uh, yeah, I know. I know. Shocker. Shock. <laughs> Shocker. No, well, but, but. To tell you the truth, I am probably whiter than you. You But are. I don't want to get in a competition about it. And I, yeah. But uh, I would say that for some people that it's hard to know how to, it might be hard for them to know how to talk about this movie and even if there's things that they might disagree with, they're not sure how to phrase them in such a way that they would sound wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if that makes sense. No, it like, does make yeah, sense. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying that I have those things, but I could see how somebody would feel constrained by saying, like, this is a movie that I feel is kind of like maybe something I, I, I really can't weigh in on. Because, like... Right. It, I'm I'm part of the dominant group that is maybe that has been part of perpetrating this the the injustices. You I know? Sp- I spent quite a bit of time when I watched it the first time through and when I rewatched it with those feelings and and then I saw it was completely unrelated as a completely different show, but there was a show that had a black man and a, a white man that were supposed to be on the same team doing trying to accomplish something, and. Um, at one point, the the white guy said something, which at the moment he said it didn't sound particularly, I don't mean just to me, I mean to him, didn't sound particularly offbeat, but uh, his... Racist? Yes. Okay. But not racist in a in an N-word, you know... Not, not, not blatantly, that, directly racist. But that but indirect... Unintentional, but just as freaking irritating racist way. Uh, whatever the right term. Whatever the term. The point is, he was called to heal by his black partner, who said, "No, no, no, no. When you say that, this is what that means to me, and this is how it makes me feel." And I was at first, I was like, "Wow, yeah. If I'm in that situation, what would I do?" But the guy's response was, "I'm listening. I'm wrong, and I want to." learn so explain it to me yeah and they talked apparently they talked for quite some time and they came to uh, a, a place where they were they weren't arguing about yeah it. mutual and I, understanding yeah. and yeah and even if even if even if the white guy still didn't totally get it because that's not his experience yeah he at least was trying to pay attention as opposed to be di- being dismissive like oh you know i didn't mean that he didn't do that yeah and i thought to myself uh, especially over this past year as i've been learning more uh, I thought to myself, if I can just try to listen, yeah. even if I don't get it, yeah. uh, or if I only partially get it, or if I think I got it, but I probably got it wrong, if I can just listen. Then, so the second time I watched the movie, this just in the last day, actually, uh, that, that, that was my point of view. I'm just going to listen to what Spike Lee's trying to say. And I saw different things that I didn't see the first time. 
the uh, the Italian phrases that uh, uh, one of Sal's sons was throwing out there. I would pause the movie and go look them up. They were all it said in Italian for a reason, but they were all very racist things to say, yeah, like black bean, yeah, black coffee, black, black night, yeah, yeah, just saying things like that in Italian so they wouldn't be. Well, why he say it in Italian? Because he knew. Yeah. That, but I didn't catch those the first time. You know, I just kind of. My mind is dismissed. I don't understand that word, so I dismissed it. And you know that kind of stuff. Uh, Spike Lee put that in there for a reason. He wrote those words, yeah. and he wrote those words for a reason because that's the uh, he's. I think he's saying that's his experience. Yeah, is that you know nice and smiles, but then the words that are being said mean something else. You know, so I, I guess that's that's one of the insights I had in looking at this. We're looking at we're talking about insights. Sure, yeah. We're watching the films. Insight that I had was that. Uh, and it, it doesn't just have to do with race relations. In fact, any kind of difference. Yeah. Uh, but uh, for this movie, it's definitely uh, different in, in race, race and racial relations and racism and intolerance. But but it it also could be applied to other things. So yeah, that's my insight. Categories. All right. So how about f- from you, uh, Doctor Diamond Doug? What are some of your breakout and standout moments in acting and casting? I thought overall that it was uh, it was well casted. I, I I can't say that anybody was miscast in any of the roles that I had mentioned. That one of the one of the people that I just felt I didn't connect with in terms of their performance was John Turturro's uh, Pino. Mm. Uh, that like I usually like him as an actor, but this this just didn't connect this one didn't as work. well. Uh, but I thought Sale was so was, natural. Of course, he was unlikable anyway. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You and know. it's not about likable. It's about believable. Believable, fair Where enough. Sale, uh, I bought into that. I, I didn't I didn't quite understand why Bugging Out was always Bugging Out, but that's his name. But I also, uh, I don't believe that's Giancarlo Esposito either, even though I know that's him. <laughs> no, it he was. was he, he's just unrecognizable in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So for me... Uh, I think I thought it was well casted, well acted. That there was that, that there weren't there weren't really any moments that pulled me out of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, some of the some of the characterizations were over the top, but they were intentionally done so to heighten heighten the experience for the viewer. And remember, you only get two hours with these characters, yeah. and you're supposed to understand who and what they are and where they come from. And how do you do that in two hours if the yeah. character doesn't actually kind of lay it out there, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So we'll circle back. The like one of the characters that I I didn't I, like I still don't quite get in my mind is Smiley. Okay. Like he, I I get why he's in the film, but it was just kind of like, well, I get what he's doing, but I'm like, where did this character come from? <laughs> did Spike Lee know somebody who was like, like this? That. Like what do they represent? What he was the most radical of the bunch. He's the one who lit the fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he didn't always say the words, but he was the he was the most radical. What well, and it was like uh, Malcolm X type person yeah. in there. Yeah, it wasn't always clear. Did he only have a stutter, or did he have some other challenge going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of that was really clear. But uh, they didn't they didn't Sorry. clarify it. But but that was to the side. Well, but but here's another one. Uh, Sam Jackson. Here's yeah. Samuel Jackson. He's the DJ. He's he's you would think kind of the thread that brings you from maybe one vignette to the next to the next, and yet he was really just sort of his own vignette off to the side. This brings so this is that brings up a point. Okay, it's kind of neat that one of the element, one of the kind of overlays on this movie is that I when I watched it I was like this reminds me of a play. Okay. The way the sets are made, the way the vignettes are made, the way the dialogue is happening, of mm-hmm. where it's happening, at w- of when it's happening. And then I read something that was talking about the old guys who are sitting in the chairs, who most of their dialogue was improvised, but they were functioning as a Greek chorus. Yep, the Greek chorus. The Greek chorus, which was just kind of like talking about the ethos of the moment, uh, where the, that was their point. But if you take that concept of like the old guys were the Greek chorus, mm-hmm. Sam Jackson is the narrator. The narrator. But I just felt like it didn't like yeah quite he, ever become the narrator. Almost. But he was he was behind glass. Yeah. He was he was almost like he almost never interacted with the people Not directly. directly. Almost never. But he would he would function in a classical play format as the narrator. 
Yeah. And so another little point about Sam Jackson. Sam Jackson has developed a reputation, shall we say, yeah. over the years. For a profanity, and he profan- did not do A that. specific yeah. word, in but fact. He was not the one who was saying that. But that word, the F-bomb, was dropped... Uh, yeah, like 200 and some 243 times. Like, at once every two minutes. Yeah, yeah. And, and yet, I don't believe not even once... Not from him. ...by Sam Jackson. No. <laughs> Maybe this was before his F-bomb days, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. All right, directing and editing. Now... I, we have already talked a bit about some of the directing elements here, yeah. but I think that Spike Lee's direction of this movie was intentional and deliberate, and what we saw was exactly what he wanted to portray. I think he controlled, at least for the whole first half, he did a great job in direction, in controlling the story, and moving it forward, the vignettes tied together. I'm not exactly sure if the end got chaotic I guess it was on purpose. He said, you know, he's saying in, yeah. in, in interviews it was on purpose. But I, th- but I think that had he, had he uh, focused a little more on keeping the story moving forward through the chaotic end, he he could have maybe tightened it. Yeah. But that's uh, armchair quarterbacking, you know. Yeah. Uh, he wanted it to be chaotic, so he says in his interviews, uh, and you have to take him at his word, right? So he, uh, I just feel like he could have done more. Yeah. He could have done more. I thought it was beautifully shot. It was oh. like all the. I thought that the the pacing of it worked for me. Mm-hmm. The, the connections between shots, the editing, all of that, the use of still cam, static cams, and dynamic cams, and mm-hmm. to create tension and where he was focusing and using some using some direct uh, some director kind of tricks where he had uh, action happening in the background right. while stuff was happening in the foreground. Mm-hmm. Like, I I liked it. Uh, I, I liked it. Some of the things that he didn't use that I'm not saying he should have, but I was, I kind of expected were like camera shots that followed a character into a building or, or from one place to another. Uh, but those aren't really, uh, his style for the most part anyway. That also added to the feeling that I was watching a A play play. because, because you had sets. Yeah. 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 If there was a, if there was a cut to black between those vignettes, it would have felt even more yeah. so like a play, yeah. Screenplay and story? You know, we, we've talked about this already. I, I think that uh, his writing uh, was great. And I think that the story, again, right up to the point where it felt like it kind of got chaotic at the end, was, was good. It certainly told the story. Um, yeah. I don't really have any complaints or issues with either. I don't either. Uh, not on that cinematography and location. The sets, the locations, the way it was shot, I thought was done very well. They even took I would the add, time. I would add clothing to this sure. because clothing was such a big part of this movie. Yep. Yep. It was so nostalgic for me because for me, '89 is when I was for me. Yep. I was going off into high school, yep. and the clothes that everybody was wearing was was kind of like. Everything that was on TV and right. in magazines, I wasn't wearing this. I was stuff, actually going to say, but it felt I was very 1980s MTV. Yeah. But it was it was the MTV life, yeah. uh, that I was watching. And even the opening scene with with Rosie Press doing the the dancing yeah. during the entire uh, music uh, montage at the beginning was very very 80s, very very you know uh, MTV uh, in living color kind of a. Uh, 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 dance uh, performance. It was that was that was pretty cool, and locations. Of course, it was not only shot on location, um, but they took the time to shoot it with proper filters and some other things. They even uh, changed colors, paint paint backgrounds of murals and stuff to really kind of bring in that feeling of heat. It was yeah, hot, red and steamy. reds and oranges, yeah, and filters to make it appear to almost be yeah. hazy sometimes. So, and oh, that, uh, that well. they had to hire, uh, like, I think it was like Nation of Islam type uh, folk to yeah, protect uh, them from crackheads. Yeah, what was it? The, yeah. the name of that group? The <laughs> Children of Islam? That's yeah. not right. Uh, yeah. No, did I write it down you somewhere? You did, actually. Yeah, you gave me that somewhere. Yeah. Um, and it was case, definitely protecting them yeah. from crackheads. <laughs> <laughs> they were keeping people... They, uh, they wanted people in the far backgrounds kind of walking through the neighborhood. That was cool. But they didn't want anybody uh, up in the scenes. And so they had to, you know, try yeah. some security there. Um, special uh, Score. So cool music. And also as far as the music that was specifically for this film that 
Um, I was trying, and we've talked about this before. If I'm not paying attention, some of this washes away, but that I have to really focus in. It was kind of, they had jazz elements that were, reminded me of Taxi Driver, where there was these kind of chaotic things that were happening to ratchet up the tension, especially with the uh, sale was talking to Pino who they were yelling at Smiley and then all of a sudden they were getting in a fight and the music right. was getting chaotic mm-hmm. um, uh, very fast and saxophone and that sort of stuff um, I, 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 I liked it and then the running theme of Fight the Power throughout yeah. I, I dare you to, like, as Brad said I dare you to get that out of your head yeah <laughs> no it's, it's there and in fact as I left my house to pick you up to come to this podcast, uh, that song was was uh, playing yeah. on my playlist. All right. So, uh, how about special effects and notables? I would say, so there wasn't really a lot of special effects in the film. The fight scenes were there choreographed well. There was fight well. scenes and there was the, bon- there was the, the fire, fire and the, the destruction of the, of the building. Uh-huh. Which, by the way, they built the uh, pizzeria there. There was nothing on the corner. And the Korean thing. They, yep, they built them so that they could destroy them without actually damaging the yeah. neighborhood. Uh, I would say one of the notables to bring in was the care and detail. We already talked about clothing. Clothing, set, graffiti in the background that all had meaning. So there was a lot of like layers of little things behind that helped tell the story. And those all go into notables, you know? Those go into the notables. And those were, I thought, very well done. Yeah. Um, And then finally, we've got X Factor. X Factor. So the, the, just. The fact that this movie, uh, not only was I watching this movie and thinking to myself, man, what kind of a carousel are we sitting on to watch this happening 30 years later yeah. again? And then, I, and then I think back, wait, it's not once then and then once now 30 years later. It's actually the same carousel looping round and round and round with not just race relations, but just uh, 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 relationships between different groups of people and different points yeah. of view and and different people standing up and saying but my voice matters too that thing has been just whipping around it's like we can't seem to get our yeah. hands and that goes the, the, we had chatted previously uh before this recording yep where i was mentioning um like the ending right uh that there's there's debate and fan theory about why did mookie throw the garbage, garbage can, can through, through the, the window, window. Um, and some people are saying, well, he was just mad, and, and some people are saying, well, he was doing it to protect Sale, and... Um, like, to redirect the anger? Yeah, so, and and you were saying, like, for you, your initial read was, he was protecting Sale by redirecting the anger at the pizzeria rather and than... More, and even him. more, he was protecting the people in the neighborhood by... But yes, they were still expressing their anger, and they were still being destructive in their anger to express the the yeah. the 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 the, um, the 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 wrongness of the situation, the way that the police handled the fight, and the the way that they choked out Radio Rahim, killed him, uh, threw him in the car, and drove away with him. But he was also say, you know, in my mind, he did that to say, well, let's direct the anger at that. Yeah. And if we direct the anger at that instead of at people. I just felt like he was trying to minimize repercussions. That's yeah. how I felt about and, it. And my take of it was that he was angry, but not filled with rage necessarily at sale, but filled with this kind of remorseful, begrudging sadness at being stuck in an endless cycle of violence that Sale had been part of and he had been part of and Raheem had been part of and cops had been part of. They and this had is to a pull back from destroying this the is, Korean grocery this, store. This is, the, you know, this is the story that they they felt stuck in. And for me, that I saw this, because we're talking about it, we, as a Greek play, mm. that this would be a tragedy. Yeah. And very specifically, dramatic irony, tragic irony of saying like, like, hey, you guys are going to end up bad. And they're like, no, we're not. And they end up bad. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, damn it. How are we still here? And I, I felt, for me... Or maybe this it was is why all we're of still that here. was, was kind of like, oh, I can't stop myself from perpetuating the violence. And he throws the, the trash can. Like, for me, for that me. was kind of my take. But, every like, again, all of this is subjective. Yeah. That's why it's beautiful and art. 
and it goes into the X Factor that we're still talking about it today. And here's the other piece of this. We have reviewed and talked about and discussed lots of movies in the last few years. Uh, this one, not, not to the exclusion of the others, but this one specifically, to me, is a piece of art. Yeah. Uh, and I saw it as poetry. Yeah. Beyond just like, like, when I was watching it, beyond just like, oh, this reminds me of a play and that sort of stuff. That I like the screenplay, the dialogue, and everything, even down to kind of uh, the the list of names of all the people and the going back and forth and the insults that were happening, mm. is that it had a kind of a poetic feel to it, like a like a a, a poetry jam, right? As not, a movie, not like a uh, on the rhythm, a rhythmic beat yeah, of yeah, speak, yeah. like a Shakespearean not kind that, of a, that. but a poetry jam. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you on that. All right, let's talk about um, awards. Uh, this was nominated for two Oscars. Uh, had another 20 wins. Didn't didn't win any Oscars, but yeah. had another did, did win 20 other awards and 15 additional nominations. You had mentioned Spike Lee originally wanted De Niro to play yeah, Robert De Sales De Niro. character. He didn't want to play it because it was too close to that. But they did put De Niro's picture on the wall. He was there. The rest of the, he was one of the white guys the, that was the causing Italians the problems that were on there. Uh, so all of the scenes of the the men on the the corner, mm -hmm. like Sweet Dick Willie, uh, mm -hmm. Robin Harris, Paul Benjamin, and Frankie Faison were improvised. I think that's pretty fun. Radio Raheem's explanation of the love and hate rings he wears is an homage to the speech that the preacher gave in The Night of the Hunter, a 1955 film. Robert Mitchum's preacher has tattoos on his hands that say love and hate, and that's the reason why he had the big... Uh, uh, rings that speech hands. was so interesting to me because it was talking about love and hate and i was struck by the notion that the that radio raheem was stuck in a frame of talking about the dialectical tension of love and hate the 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 the, the pull and push and tension of love and hate but could only talk about it in terms of violence and physical violence of how love wins through physical violence. And I thought it was just that juxtaposition was just kind of uh, was strange well, his and interesting. Character, his yeah. character was the, 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 the black man who had seen and experienced so much. This is my take yeah. on his character. So much uh, uh, unfairness. And um, un unbalance in the, our society and in culture that he he just saw the world as as he was never going to get ahead. Yeah. And so you know uh, that might explain a bit about if I could expand on if I can maybe try to extrapolate on his character might explain a bit about why he spoke that way about yeah. love and hate. So Ossie Davis, DeMayer, and Ruby D. I mentioned mother sister were wife and husband in real life and mm -hmm. performed together until 2005 when uh, Ossie Davis passed away. Mm -hmm. um, Spike Lee, this is one of the controversial elements of the film that people still talk about. Yeah. And it was big in the time, is that Spike Lee said that a number of the reviewers were racist in their, in their reviews of the movie because they didn't get the... The idea and people lashed out at how dare you call us racist. Right. It, like it was again the same tension that was playing out in the movie. Right. Was playing out in real life. The critics actually said this movie is going to incite riots. And Spike Lee said, uh, no, that's not the message yeah. of the movie. Schwarzenegger's been blowing people away forever. <laughs> Nobody is, you know, so that, that was his response. And there. this is also a uniqueness of the film in that at least. I don't recall a contemporary film told in this way that just basically said, and this is this is how this stuff explodes. Yeah. This is what happens. He he wasn't he wasn't uh, he was uh, uh, crossing new boundaries. He was he was laying out a new road. But the the way he did this film opened the door for the kind of films we've seen through the '90s, the 2000s, and the 2010s that are like this that could talk. Yeah. You know, in open terms about this is what happens, you know. So, a fun fact about this movie is this is the movie, uh, first date for uh, President Barack Obama and Lady Michelle, That's First Lady Michelle Obama saw this. 
they were they were potentially when we're going to see driving Miss Daisy and Spike Lee said I'm glad that they saw this one because they might not have stayed together after that. I don't know what he... <laughs> <laughs> well and driving Miss Daisy didn't yeah, win the Oscar yeah, that yeah, year yeah. but on the other hand you know I think so I think the first movie I saw with my wife was Man Without a Face that's a movie that will probably never get up for Pantheon nomination it's a Mel Gibson movie yeah I remember it yeah the first movie my wife and I saw together was Tootsie I was uh, which that's not spring break was that that's no, another story that's, that's the first movie <laughs> that we went to with her parents that was an uncomfortable experience there were so many breastuses in that movie oh my gosh i'm melting into the chair so the, we talked about this the f-bomb was used 240 times an average of two f-bombs per minute now you and i never approached that average in our podcasts yeah, yeah. i have approached that when i dropped a hammer on my foot one time, yeah, but uh, not so much. So uh, Spike Lee has said, and this is kind of like uh, um, the, we were talking about Taxi Driver mm-hmm. of whether or not the dream, the end was a dream sequence, mm-hmm. and the you know the 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 director and the author and the actors said no, it's not a dream sequence, but that doesn't stop fans from coming up with theories of their in own in their mind, and it it's was. perfectly fine to do that because art is art. Mm-hmm. It's subjective once you put a film out there it allows for interpretation spike lee has repeatedly said in his view that mookie threw the the garbage can through the window because he saw his best friend raheem being murdered in front of him he was just angry yeah lee acknowledged the alternative theory that mookie did it to save sale pino and Vito. Although that was never his intention, he liked the fact that the scene has sparked such different interpretations. And, to be honest, even if he meant, in his, as the writer, that this is what I see happening, that in, a, in some sort of alternative world where Mookie is his own agent... Right. Not being controlled by what Spike Lee is writing. Not being controlled by what Spike Lee is writing. It is possible. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, like, and Spike Lee wants his movies to spark conversation and thought, yeah. and 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 looking at different views. And so, of course, yeah. he's going to say, "Yeah, I think, yeah." And one of, for me, one of the most kind of complicated and interesting parts of this movie is that no one is all right and no one is all wrong. That when you say do the right thing and you say, "Did anybody do the right thing?" Yeah, that's a and question, you say, right? You say, sort of. Did anyone in the movie do the right thing? I don't know. Uh, there were innocents in the movie. There Mookie's were, kid, Jade. Jade was a fairly an innocent mother sister. Mother sister, but mother sister did scream, "Burn it down!" At one point, even though she was the voice of reason, saying no, 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 saying, no, no, and I think well, she was saying no after it was burning. Yeah, but it wasn't necessarily because it was burning, but it was because, like everything was wrong in the world. Well, after it was or... burning, they started to go after the Korean grocery. <sighs> yeah, so, but, like, I I appreciate the fact that, hey man, this is complicated. Yeah. Yeah. And there's people are doing right stuff and wrong stuff. Even you and I were talking about Sale and Mookie and uh, that I had said, well, Sale, both Sale and Mookie smashed things, which led to other violence. And then your response was they both smashed things instead of instead smashing of smashing people. people. Yeah. So it's kind of like, oh, yeah. Sal well, could have hit Radio Rahim. And or, or, uh, Mookie could have thrown the trash can at trash can at Sal. Sal, or jumped on him and helped choke him out. And that you know, and that Radio Raheem was choking Sal, but then he died from and, being choked. And he could have killed Sal. Yeah, and had he not been stopped, he may have. He may have. We don't know. We don't know. So like, it's all of these kind of like, man, this is messy. And I did read, not to, not to, not to cause conflict here, but I did read a review, and I don't recall who wrote it, but they said, they, the question floats in their mind was, did Radio Raheem die? In the storyline, they made it clear they yeah. killed him. But did they? Like, if you look at it, if you look at it from an objective point of view, is that the amount of time it would take to kill? We don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know the answer. I just thought, well, that's another question, right? 
did, did it made me think about our conversation about the end of Taxi Driver. Yeah. Um, you know, did they? I mean, they kind of, before you could know whether he really was gone. I was too busy thinking about the connections to George Floyd. Ah, uh, well, there <laughs> was a lot that of that. There was a lot of that, uh, and that is not the only time that that has happened. Yeah. So, council votes, uh, let's walk through what we think is going to happen. Well, we know, we know three Brandon yeah. and Adam uh, Cromacho, uh, Cromacho, have have both said yes. Kyle Brown has already said yes. The Facebook poll is twenty six yes, three no's, nineteen haven't seen it, and eleven need to rewatches. So right now, at least, the Facebook poll looks like it's a yes. Looks like we're sitting on four yeses at this point. Yeah. So Matthew Wade, Jeremy Clifford, Rachel Plantiga, April Hawkins, Nathan Plantiga, and Brad Hawkins. Those we know Brad, ones. I think, also. Uh, is so it we've yes? got yeah, so we've got five in the bag right so now. I'm thinking need, at least nine of eleven yeses. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that we're at eight to nine. Yeah. And it might even hit ten. Yeah. But it wouldn't surprise me if someone says no with completely valid explained reasons why. No. Yeah. There are problems with parts that we talked about them already. There are some issues with the movie, the way the movie's made, not necessarily the material or uh, or uh, the themes of the movie, but um, but yeah, I mean, I, I could. It's probably going to be close to a sweep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as for me, I'm a yes. I'm a yes. I'm uh, a, like, I think this is essential viewing. Just the way that it made me the X factor element. Yeah. The way that it made me feel and remind me of the of, of the learning that I'm I'm in the middle of right now in my late life. Because uh, I'm like 92. You I mean, are. You'd think I would have learned this stuff when I was in my 80s. Ancient. But anyway, so my vote's going to be yes as well. Not that my vote is just one of many, many Facebook poll votes, uh, and is not one of the council. Of this course. is completely unrelated. Okay. To the talk, but I just wanted to say I appreciate you. I appreciate you. You were saying about 92. You're 92 years old, <laughs> and I was just thinking, as far as a 92 year old friends of mine. You're the tops. I'm the best 92 year old friend. Really you are really the top youngster. You, you're the best man. <laughs> I just really appreciate you having you around, man. The uh, yeah. Oh, okay. That was unrelated. No, but, it was but just like I was overwhelmed with a sense of gratitude. Appreciate it. Of appreciate that it. such an old old man as yourself I've would had a consider. Rough, I've had a rough week. Yeah. And it's nice to have somebody who likes me. Affirmation. Ah, I don't have a mirror, so I can't do that for myself. Any final comments? You know, I think I have said my piece here. Yeah. Uh, I really feel like uh, we've covered it pretty well. How about you? Uh, the uh, I, I think that I've said my piece on this movie as well. Um, it is, I, I think it's essential viewing. I believe so too. I think people should watch it even if they don't like the subject matter, even if they don't like the way the ending landed or, or whatever. Uh, I think it's essential viewing. Yeah. So, all right, everyone. As always, I hope you all enjoyed tonight's conversation. Uh, Dr. Diamond Doug, where can Video Land find you? You can find me on the Facebook page as Doug Pruim. Pruim, uh, spelled weird. And you also can find me uh, on the AV Facebook page. You can find Adventures in Video Land on Instagram, adventuresinvideoland.com. Uh, but as always, the conversation begins and ends on Facebook. Uh, you've been listening to Criticism in its finest hour. Until next time, Video Landers. Dago, Wop, Guinea, Garlic, Breck, Pizza, Slingin', Spaghetti, Ben and Victimone, Perry, Como, nope. Luciano, Pavarotti, yeah, Sol and Mio, Not, Singing, Mother! Nope, 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 nope. None of those work. You know what? Hold on. Let's take a step back. Okay. How about this? We, we love, love you. you.